This is our daily Power Parsha for Friday, November 12, 2021. It is great to have you here. So let's begin. All right, Torah portion this week, as we've been exploring, is Vayetze, speaks about the great departure of Yaakov from his homeland in Israel, Beersheba, going to Haran, and his uh, trials and tribulations, his colorful life that he lives in uh, in Haran, where he marries Rachel, and he marries Leah, or Leah and then Rachel. He has 11 children, he has 11 boys and a daughter, and uh, ultimately, it comes time for him to leave. We learned about this a few days ago, where the angel speaks on behalf of Hashem, the angel comes and says, a uh, message from God, it's time for you to go, you should go home. Yaakov then turns to his wives and says, you know, the, kind of the back, the background story, uh, and it's, it's time for us to go. Hashem said it's time to go, and I want to make sure that I have permission, and of course, I have your permission, and of course, the, uh, as the narrative goes, his wives say, absolutely, with pleasure. Okay, so that's where we're up to, and we're about to jump into the reading that talks about um, the great departure. Yaakov leaving Lavan. There was two great departures, right? Yaakov leaving home and going to Lavan. Now Yaakov leaving Lavan to go back home. So here's the screen. I'm sharing this with y'all. Let's jump in. Genesis chapter 31, verse 17. So Yaakov rose, Jacob rose, and he lifted up his sons and his wives upon the camels. And he led all his livestock and all his possessions that he had acquired, the purchase of his acquisition, which he had acquired in Padan Aram, to come to Isaac, his father, to the land of Canaan. So basically, what's happening here is that Avram, it's not not Avram, sorry, Jacob, Yaakov, is leaving his life in Haran behind, and he's going back home to Isaac, his father, to the land of Canaan, right, as you see right here, he's heading back home. And what does he take? Of course, he takes his family, his sons, his wives. He takes his livestock, all his possessions, everything. And the purchase of his acquisition, that means the stuff that he bought with the stuff that he earned, right? He was, uh, he was wheeling and dealing. Okay, now verse 19. This is an interesting part of the story. Now, Lavan, Laban had gone to shear his sheep. And meanwhile, Rachel, Rachel, stole her father's terafim. What are terafim? Terafim are idols. It's the name of idols. So she stole her father's little statues or idols or whatever they were, right? Made of stone or wood or any other material, whatever the idols were, she steals. And Jacob, so so Rachel steals the father's trough, her father's trough him. Um, why? So our, the commentary say, Rashi says, because she wanted to keep her father away from idolatry. She wanted her father to not have idols to worship. So on the way out, she decides to steal the idols. Okay. Verse 20. And Jacob, on his part, he also concealed, he also acted in a, uh, an interesting way here. Jacob concealed from Laban the Aramean by not telling him that he was fleeing. So he didn't tell his father-in-law that he was actually leaving. He picked up, packed up middle of the night and left. If you recall, they did not live in the same immediate vicinity. They lived a distance of three days between them. So, I mean, three days of a, of a, of a walk, of a journey. So, you know, news, you couldn't text, couldn't tweet, couldn't even TikTok back then. So this was... You know, Yaakov was able to get a head start, was able to kind of, uh, was able to leave without Lavan, without Laban, knowing that he had left. And that's what he did. He concealed from Laban the Aramean. So Laban the Aramean is the Lavan, the, 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 the trickster. Yaakov conceals from the trickster. In other words, it's, 
he's acting in the way of his of his father-in-law. He's he's also being in a, acting in a way of um, of uh, of of duplicity. So let's continue. Verse twenty-one. So he and all that were his fled. Yaakov and enti his entire family and his possessions they fled, and he rose and crossed the river and directed his face toward Mount Gilead. Now on the third day, remember it's a three-day journey between Yaakov and Lavan. So on the third day. Lavan, Laban, was informed that Yaakov had fled. Again, why did it take three days? Because physically it took three days for word to travel from where Yaakov was. As soon as Yaakov left, the next morning it was known they headed out to tell Lavan. Three days later they got there and they said, Lavan, your son-in-law and your daughters and your grandchildren, they're all gone. Everyone's gone. Poof. Verse 23. So he, Lavan, Laban, took his kinsmen with him and he pursued him seven days' journey. And he overtook him at Mount Gilead. Basically, Lavan races after Yaakov. And the reality is, at this point, Yaakov is moving very slowly. Because Yaakov has his family, his kids, his young kids. He also has a lot of animals. You can't run with animals. It's not, it's not a thing. The sheep and the, the cows and the goats, whatever they are, they're moving as fast as they can. But certainly, you know, Laban on, on, on horseback or whatever it is, Laban is much faster. So Laban at some point overtakes him. At Mount Gilead. And God came to Laban the Aramean in a dream of the night. So before he actually caught up to him, Hashem appears to Laban. And he says to him, beware, sorry, beware lest you speak with Jacob either good or evil. In other words, be careful what you say, whether it's negative or even good. Even if you're going to say something good, watch yourself. Watch yourself. You're messing with uh, someone that I, that I am invested in. God is saying it to him. Be careful what you tell, what you say to Jacob. And Laban overtook Jacob at Mount Gilead, right? And Jacob pitched his tent on the mountain, and Laban pitched with his kinsmen at Mount Gilead. So they now on this mountain, on this on this mountain range, that's where the encounter, that's where finally the pursuit is complete. Laban has pursued Jacob and his family, and uh, now they're going to have it out. With, of course, the warning that God had given him, which is, be careful. Be careful what you say. Laban said to Jacob, this is verse 26. What have you done that you concealed from me and led away my daughters like prisoners of war? Right? What is this? You're, 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 you're going away. You're treating my daughters like captives. You're, you're kidnapping them. What is this? You're kidnapping my daughters. Now, they happen to be his wives, and they all consented, and they all decided they want to get, get out of that life that they were living. So that's that's the real story. But to him, to Lavan, to Laban, it's you're kidnapping my daughters. You're running away in the middle of the night. Let's continue verse 27. Why have you fled secretly and concealed from me and not told me? The irony, of course, is Lavan, the guy, the big trickster, the big the big fraud, right? Lavan, who tricked Yaakov into marrying Leah when he wanted to marry Rachel. Lavan, who changed the wages of Yaakov time and time again is complaining that someone pulled the wool over his eyes. Anyway, it's just uh, interesting how this biblical karma works, so to speak. So he's saying, why did you flee secretly and conceal from me? Why weren't you up front? And not told me, I would have sent you away with joy and with songs. I mean, easy to say now, right? I would have, I would have been, I we would have done a celebration. We would have done a goodbye party. And with drum and with harp, we would have musical instruments. Oh, it would have been beautiful. And you did not allow me to kiss my sons and my daughters. That means grandsons and granddaughters and, and daughters, literally. Now, he says, you have acted foolishly. That was a big mistake, he tells Yaakov. 
All right, he's pushing on that on that line where Hashem said, "Be careful what you say to Yaakov." He's pushing on that line. He's knocking on that door. Um, and what's he telling him? He's saying essentially, "Look, you took, you ran in the middle of the night. You acted in secret. You were you were dishonest with me. You didn't tell me. You should have told me. I would have thrown you a party. I, I wanted to kiss my family goodbye and 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 give them hugs and and gifts and whatever. You made a big mistake." You did wrong, Yaakov, says Lavan. I have the power, furthermore, here's a veiled threat. I have the power to inflict harm upon you. In other words, I could take you down. But the God of your father spoke to me last night saying, beware of speaking with Yaakov, with Jacob, either good or bad. In other words, really, my intention would have been to take you out, to bring you down. But God, your God has already warned me not to mess with you. But now you have gone away, for you long for your father's house, but why have you stolen my God? So what he's saying is now, okay, now you're, okay, so you're going away, you long for your father's house, that I get. But, and now he adds one more final point, question that hangs in the air, why have you stolen my gods? My truffum are gone, and you stole them. Now we know the truth, the Torah already told us. It was Rachel, right? Let's just scroll up a little bit. It was Rachel, yeah? Rachel stole her father's truffum. Yaakov, Jacob had no idea. Yaakov had no idea. So at this point, uh, Laban accuses Yaakov, Lavan accuses Yaakov of stealing his, uh, his gods. Why have you stole my gods? And Jacob replied and he said to Laban, first things first, why did I run away in the middle of the night? Why didn't I tell you? Why did we do this secretively? Simple, because I was afraid. Because I said, lest you steal your daughters from me. I know you, Lavan. I know you, and I know your tactics, and I know your anger, and I know your trickery and your treachery, and I was afraid, because if I told you my plan, I would wake up one morning, and my family would be gone, right? You would have had, you would create a scenario where I wouldn't have been able to leave. That's why I didn't tell you, and then he answers the final question about the, about the, about the idols. He says, the one with whom you find your gods shall not live. In other words, if any one of my people stole it, let them be punished by death. In the presence of our brothers, recognize for yourself what is with me and take it for yourself. In other words, in front of everybody right now, look through all my possessions and see if you find your truffin. Now, again, he didn't realize that his wife, Rachel, had stolen the truffin. But he puts, he says, it wasn't me. It wasn't us. You can do an inspection right now and you'll see. You'll see that no one took anything from you. Why does, the, why does he say this? As the narrator of Torah says, for, the, for Jacob, did not know that Rachel had stolen them, right? Jacob does not know this. So Laban entered Jacob's tent and Leah's tent and the tents of his two handsmaid, two handmaids, but he did not find them. And he had come out of Leah's tent and entered Rachel's tent. But Rachel had taken the truffin out of the tent and placed them into the camel's saddle and sat upon them. So Laban felt about the entire tent, but did not find them. So Laban and his people, they were looking through the tents. They were doing uh, uh, an investigation inside the tents. Meanwhile, she, Rachel, who took the truffin, put them in the, in the saddle, the saddle um, uh, into the camel saddle and sat on them, concealing the presence. And she said to her father the following, let my Lord not be annoyed that I'm not standing up and showing you honor, for I cannot rise before you for the way of women is upon me. So she was saying that it's uh, she can't she can't stand up right now, et cetera. So 
So uh, excuse me for not standing up. Meanwhile, that's where she was concealing um, in the can, in the saddle of the camel. That's where she was concealing the trough from the idols. So he searched, they've been searched, but did not find the trough. At this point, now Jacob feels vindicated and he feels annoyed. Now he's angry. Jacob was annoyed at all of this. Look, he Jacob feels like he's been victimized for 20 years, literally victimized for 20 years. He finally gets away. He's chased. He's chased. He's hunted down by, by this nightmare of, of, of a guy. And, and then he has to start answering and explaining his motives. Why did he do it secretly? And why, why did you steal the truck? I didn't steal your truck. Search, investigate. Okay, can't find anything. At this point, Jacob has had enough and he's finished. Jacob is annoyed and he quarrels with Laban. And he said to Laban, what is my transgression? What is my sin that you have pursued me? Can you tell me what is your problem? What, what is wrong? Why are you running after me? Why the vindictiveness? What is going on here? For you have felt about all my things. What have you found of all the utensils of your house? Put it here in the presence of my kinsmen and your kinsmen and let them decide between the two of us. Did you find anything that I stole? Did you? Did you find anything? If you found anything, put it down right here, black and white, so we can see it. No, you didn't find anything. Thank you very much. Once again, you're trying to victimize me. Already 20 years, he continues. Already 20 years I've been with you. 20 years. And your ewes and your she-goats have not been have not aborted, neither have I eaten the rams of your flocks. The animals have been healthy. I didn't consume anything. I didn't steal anything, nothing. I have not brought home to you anything. We did this Wednesday night, right? This was the series of texts that we did Wednesday. I've not brought home to you anything torn by other animals. I would suffer its loss. In other words, I didn't say, whoops, this animal got mauled by another animal. I'm sorry, I did my best. No, if an animal got mauled, I replaced it with another animal out of my own pocket. From my hand, you would demand it. And what was stolen by day, what was stolen by day and what was stolen by night. In other words, if anything happened on the job, I had to cough up with the replacement. And I didn't complain. I was in the day, I was in the field by day when he consumed me and the frost at night and my sleep wandered from my eyes. Yeah, he's saying, I was dedicated. We had a twist on this Wednesday night. This is not this, this is not uh, the physical labor of shepherding. This is the spiritual work. Either way, he's saying, I've been dedicated day and night. This is 20 years that I spent in your house. I served you 14 years for your two daughters, seven and seven, and six years for your animals. You changed my wage. My wage is tens, 10 times, 10 times. No, Rashi says it's 100 times, 10 times 10. Had not the God of my father, the God of Abraham and the fear of Isaac been for me, in other words, had not divine intervention stepped in and blessed me, you would have now sent me away empty-handed. In other words, if you would have your way, you would have robbed everything from me and, and ruined my life. God has seen my affliction and the toil of my hands, and he reputed you last night. When God said to you last night, don't mess with Jacob, God has my back. Yes. What? You're thirsty? Um, do you know where to get a drink? Because I don't know where to get a drink. I think it's a lot of walking by yourself. We're going we're gonna to have a quick class, so it's just a few more minutes, okay? Um, okay, so let's, let's do the seventh reading. Essentially, yeah. Oh, nice. So essentially what, what's, what's going on is that Yaakov is finally venting after all these years, all these years of pent up frustration, pent up anger, pent up hostility, you know, just tension brewing. He decides it's time to leave and then he gets pursued and then he has to answer for himself and then he gets accused of theft and all that stuff. And at this point, he is done. He is finished and he's letting Lavan, his father-in-law, his uncle know about it. All right. Seventh reading. Okay, you ready? Ready, Reva? I used to sit on my lap all the time. You guys remember that? Remember Reeves? 
my partner in uh, in crime and teaching. Okay, here we go. Genesis chapter 31, verse 43. Laban, as I mentioned Wednesday night, is not impressed with this heartfelt, you know, just plea or cry by uh, from Jacob. Nope, not impressed. And Laban answered and said to Jacob, you, you think I was going to steal your stuff? You're out of your mind. The daughters are my daughters. The sons are my sons. The animals are my animals. And all that you see is mine. Everything is mine. You came here, essentially, Laban's perspective is you came here with nothing. Now you're married, you have wives, and you have children, and you have livestock. Where do you think you got all this stuff from? Yeah? You came here penniless. I hugged you, and I, I frisked you, you had nothing. And now you're a wealthy man. Where did it all come from? Me, says Laban. It all came from me. Your wives are my daughters. Your children are my grandchildren. Everything is mine. Your animals are my animals. That's how it started, my animals. And then from there, you got successful. Yeah. Basically saying, this is like the bitterness. You see the bitterness of Laban also. Jacob is bitter. Laban is bitter. Everything is mine. Now, what would I do to these daughters of mine today or to their children whom they have born? You think I would hurt them? You're saying, I would, I would have hurt you. I would hurt them. They're my family. But at the end of the day, let's make a covenant, he says. So now let us form a covenant, you and I, and may he, God, be a witness between me and you. So at the end of the day, Laban is not impressed with Jacob's perspective. But he says, at the end of the day, let's make a covenant. Let's create peaceful relations between us. So Jacob took a stone and he set it up as a monument. Okay. And Jacob said to his kinsmen, gather stones. And they took stones and made a pile and they ate there by the pile. They made there by the pile. Uh, ate there by the pile. And Laban called it Yigar Sahadusa. Yigar Sahadusa means the, um, oh, it, it explains right here. And, but Jacob called it, so that's the Aramaic name. Jacob called it Gal Aid, which is the Hebrew name. What does that mean? And Laban said, this pile is a witness between me and you today. So, um, Yigar Sadusa and Gal Aid means the pile is a witness. That's literally the translation, the witness pile or the pile that is a witness. So they made a pile of stones and made a bit of a monument. And they said, sorry, they made a monument. Then they gathered stones, made a pile. And they said, this pile should be a, um, a witness that this pile should be a witness that we are calling a truce between us. They even said this pile is a witness between me and you today. Therefore, we call the Gal Aid. And mitzvah, he called it mitzvah because he said, may the Lord look between, look, mitzvah, mitzvah, look between me and you when we are hidden from each other. And as God is going to know who's messing with who, etc. If you afflict my daughters, he says, yeah, if you afflict Rachel and Leah, if you afflict my daughters, he says to Yaakov, or if you take wives in addition to my daughters, when no one is with us on your own, right? If you take other wives and you discard my daughters, oh, nice, right? If you do that. Behold, God is a witness between me and you. You're gonna and you're gonna pay the price. And Laban said to Jacob, Behold, this pile and behold this monument which I've cast between me and you. This pile is a witness. This monument is a witness that I will not pass this pile to go to you, and you shall not pass this pile to this and this monument to come to me to do harm. In other words, this will be a truce. This will be a peace, a truce. This 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 is a pile that symbolizes a pile that symbolizes. Um, A pile that symbolizes a truce. We are not going to go um, across it to harm each other. I'm not going to encroach in your space. You're not going to encroach on my space. Peaceful relations. He continues, 
says, Lavan, Laban, father-in-law, may the God of Abraham, the God of Nachar, it's his side of the family, they were brothers, judge between us the God of their father. And Jacob swore by the fear of his father Isaac. Right, God of Abraham, God of Nachar, Jacob chose to, fear, to, swear, to swear by the fear of his father Isaac. Okay. And Jacob slaughtered a slaughtering on the mountain. And he invited his friends to eat a meal, and they ate bread and lodged on the mountain, and thus they had a peaceful agreement. So what begins in very hostile terms, what begins with much hostility, ends on, on a peaceful note. Genesis chapter 32, let's continue and conclude. Well, let's last three verses of the Torah portion. And Laban arose early in the morning, and he kissed his sons and his daughters and blessed them. And Laban went and returned to his place. So Laban had a chance to finally kiss his family goodbye. He got up in the morning. He kissed his sons and his daughters. That means his grandkids and his daughters. And he blessed them. And then he went home. And Jacob went on his way. Jacob went on his way and the and angels of God met him. This time the angels of Israel met him outside of Israel. Because this time, after 20 years of dedication, he was... Um, yeah, what, yeah. Uh, Where's the couch? Is there a couch right here? No, no, you can't go outside the offices. No, here, do this. Hold on. I'm sorry. Okay, this, but very low. Okay, and you can do it right in here. Give me a second. Hold on. What is it? I don't know. This is clearly not the right thing. That's what we're talking about. Okay. Mm -hmm. It is red. Okay, you adjust it, and you can sit over there. So, um, Yaakov is going on his way, and the angels of God met him, and this is where Rashi says, famously, that which angels met him? Um, angels of Israel came to greet him, to escort him to the land. Before, we said that the angels of Israel have to leave before they leave Israel, because they have to go up before they, they leave Israel. But now, having endured 20 years of challenge by Laban, and having stayed pious and righteous and faithful to Hashem, the angels are now impressed with Yaakov. They can, and Yaakov, Jacob, Yaakov has transformed that space to be a holier space than it, than it was. Now the angels are comfortable meeting him on his turf outside of Israel to escort him back into the Holy Land. And Jacob said when he saw them, this is the camp of God. And he named the place Machanayim, which means the camps. Machanayim are two camps. One of the angels outside the land who came with him up, up to here. And one of the angels of Israel came to greet him. That's what Tanchuma says. So we began with angels. And we end the portion with angels. It ends with a discussion about the angels that are escorting Yaakov back into the land of Israel. Now, of course, next week, we're going to pick up the story as Yaakov, Jacob, prepares to encounter his, his twin brother for the first time in 20 years. And uh, some serious preparation needs to happen because he's prepared. He's preparing for the worst. He's preparing for the ultimate battle with his brother, who he knows at least 20 years ago wished to kill him. So that's, this sets up the, the simmering drama that will unfold next week. So what do we learn today? Just to quickly summarize, what we learned today was about the, the, the escape. We'll just call it escape. The escape of Yaakov, where Yaakov uh, bounces out of town. And the pursuit of Lavan, the indignation of Lavan. How dare you leave? It's not right what you're doing. You stole my idols. Uh, the indignation of Yaakov. How dare you accuse me of stealing your idols? How dare you question why I ran away? You know why I ran away, because you would have tried to sabotage my, my, my departure. Ultimately, they create a peace treaty. And, and I think the message there is, at least for me, is you know, even when it comes to, to individuals that are so different from each other and so hostile, have, have had such hostility, there is, there, is, there is a chance, there is a hope 
for um, for some sort of reconciliation. There's always a treaty. There's always some sort of peace that can be had. Okay, let's let's do the haftar. We'll do it very quickly. I don't know that I'm going to do much commentary on it. It's more of just kind of like looking at it and, and seeing it through. So let's do this. Vayetze, Haftorah, as you see here, Torah reading for Vayetze, but we're on the Haftorah now. And it comes from the book of Hosea. Hosea chapter 11. All right. God is speaking through the prophet. And my people waver whether to return to me. Right. The Jewish people are like, should we, should we be into God? Should we not? And to the matter concerning which they call them together, they do not uphold it. How shall I give you Ephraim? How deliver you, O Israel? How shall I make you as Adma, make you as Sfayim? My heart is turned within me. Together my remorse has been kindled. This is basically talking about how the Jews at some point, and many points in history, have turned away from Hashem. And Hashem is kind of, you know, God is uh, kind of uh, thinking about what to do, what to do. I will not execute the killing of my anger. I will not return to destroy Ephraim, for I am God and not a man. In other words, God says, I'm not going to take revenge upon you. I'm not going to you know, blow up at you because I'm God. I'm not a human being, a mortal human being who's governed by emotion and, and, and reactiveness. In your midst is the Holy One, and I will not enter a city. It's referring to like a city of uh, negativity. They shall follow the Lord. He shall roar like a lion, for he shall roar, and their children shall hasten from the west. They shall hasten like a bird from Egypt and like a dove from the land of Assyria. And I will place them in their houses, says the Lord. This is referring to an ingathering of the exiles where, where when God calls, everyone's going to come running from Egypt, from Assyria, and everyone's going to go home to the promised land. Ephraim, and, and this is a common theme in the books of the prophets where you have, you know, God kind of speaking or the prophet speaking on behalf of God. And the, the, the narrative is the people not doing what they should be doing. God is not happy with that, but God gives second chances and ultimately there will be a, a redemption and, and Mashiach. So. Hosea chapter 12, it's a fairly short half Torah. So let's, uh, let's see how, how the rest of it goes. Ephraim, Ephraim is a euphemism. It's one of the tribes, of course, but Ephraim is a euphemism for the general Jewish family. Ephraim has surrounded me with lies and the house of Israel with deceit, but Judah still rules with God and with the Holy One, he is faithful. Ephraim versus Judah. Ephraim is the majority of tribes. Judah is the, the ones that are still plugged in, the ones that are righteous. You could talk about the Tzaddik Judah versus not the Tzaddik Ephraim. It's not specifically a name or a tribe necessarily. It's uh, more of these paradigms, these archetypes. Ephraim joins the wind and chases the east wind. I love that expression, joins the wind. It's kind of like, you know, whatever fads are blowing in the wind, whatever's, you know, whatever the winds of change are, it's Ephraim is, is joining whatever's popular. All day he increases deceit and plunder, and they make a treaty with Assyria, and oil is brought to Egypt. Yeah, he's wheeling and dealing. He's fitting in. Now the Lord has a contention with Judah, and to visit upon Jacob according to his ways, according to his deeds, he shall recompense him. In the womb, Jacob seized his brother's heel, and with his strength he strove with an angel. So already we could see now relationship between, you know, with the Torah portion, because it's the story of Jacob, the one who sealed, seized his brother's heel, the one whom in next week's Torah portion is going to strive, in other words, going to wrestle with an angel. He strove with an angel and prevailed. He wept and beseeched him. In Bethel he shall find him, and there he shall speak with us. And the Lord is the God of the host. The Lord is his name. And you shall return by your God. Keep loving kindness and justice. And hope to your God always. Beautiful themes about what it is 
you know, Jewish values, idea, well, first of all, tshuva, return to return to, to your God, but then keep loving kindness and justice and hope to God. A trafficker who has deceitful scales in his hand, he loves to oppress. And Ephraim said, surely I become rich. I found power for myself. All my toil shall not suffice for my iniquity, which is sin. And I am the Lord your God from the land of Egypt. I will yet make you dwell in tents as the days of the early times. So again, it's just these themes of, of the deceit and the tshuva and the return and God's forgiveness, but God's unhappiness with, with, with the actions, etc. Um, and I spoke to the prophets that I increased their visions and to the prophets I assumed likenesses. Right? God is saying, I'm, I'm communicating here. I'm, I'm, I'm voicing my concerns with what's going on. If there is violence in Gilead, it is because they were about vanity. In Gilgal, they sacrificed oxen. Also, their altars were like heaps on the furrows of the field. And Jacob fled to the field of Aram, and Israel worked for a wife, and for a wife he guarded. Here we have the reference, the direct reference to this Torah portion. Jacob fled to the field of Aram. Aram is a euphemism here for Haran. And Israel, Jacob also, it's his other name, worked for a wife seven years. And for a wife he guarded another seven years. And through a prophet, the Lord brought up Israel from Egypt, and through a prophet they were guarded. That's the way it is. God protected, God will protect. God wants us just to stay on board and to, and to stay on task and do what we need to be doing. But a lot of poetic language, but at the core, that's the message. The core is how God was with Jacob in his travels to Aram. God watched him. God guarded him. God guarded us when we, when we left Egypt, in Egypt, when we left Egypt. God is w- willing, ready, and able to watch us now, to guard over us now, and to bless us now. But the ball's on our court. Questions, are we on board? God's on board, or are we on board? Do we choose God? God has chosen us. Do we acknowledge that as well? So that's a very quick version of the Haftorah due to time constraints, a very quick version of the Haftorah to get us inspired for this week's, for the, for this Shabbos. So if I had to kind of bring things together, what I would say is we have the idea that sometimes you got to run. Sometimes to negotiate, sometimes to deal with the challenge, it's not going to be effective. Sometimes you have to, like we did with Egypt also, we left. First, first chance, we just ran in the middle of the night. Sometimes you just got to bounce out of dodge, right? If you know that you have a challenge, a temptation, whatever it is, just move away from there. Don't say, well, let me work on myself, to strengthen myself. Maybe I'll be able to overcome it and, and put it in front of me and still not make the wrong decision. You know what? Just move move away from that. If that's been your advice, just move away from it. That's Yaakov running away from Lovin. But sometimes Lovin chases you down. Sometimes you can't escape at that point. You got to negotiate. You got to make a treaty. You got to say, look, you, you do you, I'm doing me. And, and that's it. So, so step one is get away from the negative. Step two is if the negative still is pursuing, then come not, not come to a compromise where sometimes you do something. That's not what I mean, but come to a place where you can say, look, I hear you, but that's not for me. Let's create this wall, this mountain, this pile of stones is a separation. A truce, a truce, right? Truce, the truce means I'm not going to bother you, but you don't bother me either. So, 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 so back off, back off. And that leads to the Haftorah, which the Haftorah, the theme of the Haftorah is the idea of Hashem giving us chances and wanting to bless us and wanting to, to honor us with, with protection and everything that we need. And it's just, it's our job to remain faithful to Hashem and to do, to pull our, our own weight and to do what we need to be doing. And that's certainly along these lines. And the strategy could be twofold, either number one, I run away from the negative stuff. Number two, I make a truce and and figure out how to how to how to keep that at bay, 
and even even while speaking to it. And again, it's the same thing in in any in any context. You know, like someone speaking negatively about someone else. So you number one, you can either run away from you know, say walk out of the room and, and avoid the conversation, or you can have a conversation about the conversation and say, look, I feel uncomfortable when we're speaking lush and hard we're speaking negatively about someone else. So like listen, what you do in your own time is one thing, but like I, I feel I would feel you know better. Let's let's put up let's put up a barrier over here. That's one way to do it. If it's not going to be effective, if you don't want to do it yet, okay. That's what Yaakov did. He ran away in the middle of the night. That's 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 always a valid option. So option number one, option number two, but either way, we're striving toward this type of connection. All right. I want to wish everybody a good Shabbos and um, apologize for the uh, for the very quick Daily Power Parsha, like OG DPP, um, 30 minutes or so. So um, wishing you a good Shabbos. Should be filled with light and love and happiness and blessings and only good health. And looking forward to reconnecting at the end of after Shabbos. Sunday morning, we have Kabbalah and coffee. And then in-person, Pichi Parsha, DPP on Monday and on Zoom as well. And the week unfolds with lots of fun and excitement. Okay? Good stuff. And Sarah, you're in on the on the jewelry, right? I believe. Yeah. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I'll I be think, there Saturday night. Oh, we- nice. Nice. We Yay. sent out. I think we sent out the kit yesterday because Donna, you dropped off the kits. I think Leah may have sent it out already in the mail, Sarah, to you on to yesterday. So hopefully it went out. If not yesterday, then today. You should get it in the next few days. Wonderful, Hi. guys. Good Shabbos, Shabbos, everyone. We'll see you. Take mm-hmm. care, Donna. Bye, Sarah. Take care.